have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roll with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? look great in person and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey Bob, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guys Day. It was me and Rank. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. This is episode 60-ish. I really should pay attention to what we're on. <laughs> and this week, we are bringing in the University of Chicago alum. Drew, is, Drew Locke, isn't that bad? Ian, how are you doing? Joe Maroons, that's right. Uh, undefeated against Notre Dame all time. Unfortunately, World War II had to uh, end the football program <laughs> when they were really uh, on top. But yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, dudes. Always happy to talk some ball. We got one more week until, you know, it's draft week and every the, the rosters finally settle and that's when we can really uh, dig our teeth. And I know we got some prospect talk, but man, oh man, I mean, it take so many months of comping the same guys over and over again. I'm excited to have things settled for once. Are, are you a comp guy though? Like, do you... Do you Grab a prospect. You're like, yeah, this guy. This is a Cortland Sutton type player. Or are you just kind of like, okay, his numbers look like this. How, how does that process play out for you? I don't go out of my way to give a comp for everyone. I also haven't, you know, been someone that you know makes a draft guide every year. So I, mean, I understand people that do it. I do think that if you're not careful about really changing your ranks rather dramatically as soon as you know the draft unfolds, though, you're you're going to have an issue. Like I was complaining today. Like or I was complaining. I was just saying like. Don't compare and don't say anyone is this year's James Robinson. Like James Robinson happened once in a decade. Literally, he was the only undrafted player in the past 10 years to finish as even a top 24 RB. So until we know where guys go, it, it just really doesn't matter. I mean, you could have, you know, Travis Etienne, if he could be your number one running back, but if, you know, freaking Kansas City drafts him, or I guess that would probably be pretty awesome. Bad example. <laughs> if, uh, oh my goodness, you know, if Buffalo drafts him and says, you know, but we still love Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and we're going to keep using all three guys you know there's even ways for the best guys to bust i was talking about how kyle pitts if he goes to uh, the giants and that's jason garrett's uh uh you know overseeing his career you know all of a sudden we start saying well you know kyle pitts is very talented but kyle rudolph evan ingram they're better blockers even the can't miss prospects can miss depending on their future employer and landing spots so hey again not there's not any live football unfortunately no xfl no aaf this year so you know we got to do what we got to do with the prospects but i do think uh you know sometimes with this big drought of football we have we tend to overreact maybe stretch it just a little bit on some of these comps so as teams are filling out their rosters obviously there are some minor moves but as someone who is the president of his fan club i figured this is the right person to ask this how about Cordell Patterson to the Falcons how, how, how does the president feel about that so it was funny last year when uh, Tariq Cohen got hurt people were like Ian like it's time for Cordell Patterson fancy right like should I use my waiver wire on him and I was like no please don't do that like guys it's a bit all right chill out he's not a bust like that that was the thing that pissed me off originally about Cordell Patterson like people had the audacity to try to call the greatest kick not punt but kick returner in NFL history a bust like that's just ridiculous so you know did he live up to the first round standing I mean as a whole career yeah he did a lot better than most uh you know first round picks if you want to look at everyone 
one. Was he a superstar? No, I, I get that end of things. But, you know, going to Atlanta, man, it's very interesting because they got rid of Ito Smith directly afterwards. You know, I would say the Falcons, the Jets, and the Steelers are kind of the big three teams where if one of these top running backs go there, I could see a three-down roll unfolding rather quickly. But with CP, man, if they just want to roll with Mike Davis and uh, Patterson, it uh, could be quite the position for him in fantasy land. Wide receiver four, RB two, kick returner one, and of course, always number one in your hearts as well. That's a pretty open backfield in Atlanta right now, too. If they don't yeah. address running back early, there's an option for him to get a good chunk of carries often in that offense. It's those three, man, Steelers, Jets, and Falcons. I think that, you know, any of these top guys going there, uh, and that's the thing, like Najee Harris, if he goes to one of those spots, I think he's going to immediately be a borderline RB1, arguably. You know, with the Falcons, they did go out and get Mike Davis, who, you know, it's weird with Mike Davis. I give the guy, like, compliments, and there seems to be, like, a hive that's just like, no, he's not that good. He doesn't have, you know, people say he doesn't have, you know, the breakaway long speed. Well, neither did Dave Montgomery until he got a freaking 80-yard runway. Like, I think we tend to overhype, you know, the 40 yard dashes and guys that just have that blur it's great when you have it but there's only so many cj2k's out there that can you know continuously erase the angles mike davis man tied with nick chubb last year for the most forced missed tackles per touch but people look at you know i think 3.9 yards per carry yeah the panthers offensive line wasn't very good christian mccaffrey happens to be pretty damn good at his job as well so we'll see what patterson man yeah i like the fit again i don't really think he's going to be give us anything uh in in the fantasy land but i'm excited for hopefully another one of those uh it's kind of becoming his patented uh, sky cam uh, kick return touchdown uh, sequence. Yeah. Well, we can agree that Cordell Patterson is basically a playmaker at running back and wide receiver. And recently you kind of put out there going into the draft and tying this all together, the playmaking wide receiver running back formula. Somehow you came up with this thing. Just kind of talk us through this. And what, what are we looking for in this? going into the draft season. Yeah, real real quick. Before this year, I could always tout that Cordero Patterson was the NFL's leading rusher in yards per carry, minimum 100 carries. Unfortunately, this year, didn't quite have it going. So, guys, can you guess who is the NFL's leader in yards per carry? He played for the Jets and Bills over this past decade and was a college quarterback. McNett, no. Come on. For the Jets and Bills? Mostly the Jets. quarterback? Quarterback in college at a, uh, I don't want to give you the school. Oh. Kick returner. Give the guy the ball. Good Wait, things happen. This decade? Last 15 years, yeah. Oh, gosh. Guys. See, I want to say Leon Washington or something, but that's going way too far back. <laughs> I'm stumped. I have no like name. Andre Robert? Head. No. Oh, no. I, I feel Ian's just going to walk off Wait, on this here right now. Receiver? What's that little the receiver, the slot dude? What's his name? You think like Andre Roberts? No, Is that who you're thinking? No. Guys, guys. Brad Smith. Come on. Oh, yeah. Iowa. Oh. You know, Our guy. Iowa, right? Missouri. Uh, Banks, I think, was the Iowa guy. There were some fun quarterbacks in that era. Anyway, you know, now that we got the Brad Smith shout out under control, how to get that done. Playmaker rate. <laughs> it was something that, look, so one of my beefs, I guess, in the fantasy industry is maybe that's why people are like Mike Davis. Like, to me, we brush aside, like, force missed tackle stats. I understand you don't get fantasy points for these. Like, it shouldn't be something you're looking at when trying to determine if you're starting running the running back during any given week. But, I mean, we talk about how running backs are more dependent on their teammates than any other position. My company, PFF, screams about running backs not mattering. And in the constructs of a salary cap, I do understand it. You can only pay so many guys. 
you have five offensive linemen, you have a quarterback, you know, running back is so dependent on their teammates. I understand, you know, the rationale, but with that said, why would we ignore a stat that actually gives us like the most one-on-one instance of some of these players? And, you know, you kind of, as someone, we always have this, you know, phone versus analytics thing, and we don't need to dive down that whole rabbit hole. But, you know, it's a, to me, it's always been like a bad analytic if you don't see it on the film. So yeah, every now and then it's a little fluky. A guy has 20, 30 carries and he breaks uh, quite a few tackles on one. It doesn't quite add up, but more and more guys, like I see uh, when it's a good stat, like broken tackles or like playmaker rate that I've kind of developed and you see the right guys rise to the top. That's when I think we can put a little bit of back and behind it. So playmaker rate, what I did is I took uh, runs of 15 plus yards, catches of 20 plus yards, gave that three points, six points for a touchdown and one point for every broken tackle all divided by touches. So started doing this uh, about a year or two ago. But for example, in uh, 2020, the leaders in the NFL, number one, Mike Evans, number two, Tyree Kill, number three, Robert Tunyon, number four, A.J. Brown, number five, Will Fuller. Don't laugh about Robert Tunyon. First dude, like in, since targets were invented to have more touchdowns than incomplete targets. So the stat checks out with that. But yeah, applying it to the class, man, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, again, I haven't had a chance to dive in and watch every single, uh, you know, guy out here. But for example, like Jalen Darden topping the wide receiver leaderboard, Javante Williams, Jarrett Patterson at the top of the RBs. You know, as first thing I did was go to PFF's, uh, you know, college football draft guide or NFL draft guide and uh, look at these guys and you're just seeing, you know, explosiveness, broken tackle ability popping out. So, hey, if they can't la- land on a you know roster where they're going to get the opportunities to break tackles who cares how good they are at it but you know when i see someone have that shake have that ability to make people miss in space those are the types of players i really get excited about once that opportunity comes calling so heading into this year look at, let's start with the running back position who are those guys for you yeah, right now, man. I mean, again, the top 10 draft eligible backs. I got one Javante Williams and Jarrett Patterson, Michael Carter, Najee Harris, Trey Regis, and then rounding out the top uh, 10, Travis Etienne, Ramon J. Stevenson, Khalil Herbert, CJ uh, Marable, excuse me on the names, and uh, Trey Sermon. I think the last one. Now, look, I am an Ohio State homer. Columbus, Ohio life rather than for a couple of years in college. So Trey Sermon, though, my guy uh, Hayden Winks over Underdog Fantasy, I know has him as his. RB4 as well. I just think with these running backs, again, it's landing spots so impactful, at least for, you know, the first year before they have a chance to really win it out. I know we have Javante, Najee, and ETM. Like, those are our big three, but you look at the rest of them, man, there's some some guys have size concerns. Some guys can't quite catch. Some guys, we don't know if they're actually going to be able to handle the rock, you know, 15, 20 times per game. Trey Sermon has been at two really good programs in Oklahoma and Ohio State, taking over the backfield for long stretches each time and truly look like he belonged on the game's biggest stage. So, you know, I like Trey Sermon. If, uh, you know, the Colts decide to draft him for no reason at all in round four, I'm not going to like Trey Sermon as much. But I do think, uh, you know, in terms of these mid, later round RBs, seeing someone like Sermon that's had success, you know, making plays and breaking all sorts of tackles, particularly in those uh, Northwestern and Clemson games, uh, I'll be liking Sermon a lot. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, the Jets are one of these RB needy teams, uh, swipes them up late. Did I hear right that you had Jared Patterson ranked higher than Travis Etienne? Yeah, man. Okay. So here's my thing with <laughs> ETN. Look, this was 2020 only. Whole career, I'm sure ETN would be ahead of him. But what was going on with ETN last year, guys? I still haven't heard a good answer. He did a great job expanding his receiving skills. I've seen all those numbers go up. That's great. He's a three down back. But watching this dude, 2017 and 2019, I was like, you know, I don't want to 
say Chris Johnson's name 10 times in this podcast, but to me, he looked like that explosive of a player. Like every right. single time he was going to get the ball, I thought he was going in the house. 2020, I just didn't see the same guy. And, you know, some people mentioned he gained 15 pounds, you know, going the year. He had maybe COVID before his season started. It was a weird year in, ge- year in general. Fair, but you know we can't really qu- uh, quantify any of those things. So I you think guys, it was uh, yeah. just a just a a hint of senioritis or something. I, I don't think he took it as serious as everyone else did because it's like a fluky season, you know. That's not great. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> so I so I'll, I'll defend him. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tara. Okay. I said I'll I'll defend him a little, um, but I am a Clemson homer. I'm a Clemson alumni, so. Um, for me, I look at um, not really a negative within his performance, but just I think the system really took over. Um, a lot of times with our running backs, we're rotating so deep and we're putting people into specific positions, not according to what's best for the player, but kind of what's best for that play and what's best for the overall game script. So I think he might have got game script issues a little bit last year just because of the way that we were trying to work around things, especially with COVID and practices and all that. So I think, so I'll give him a little bit of a break, but, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, that's fair. And again, he's in my top three backs. If the Falcons draft ETN, I mean, I'm not going to be sitting here saying we shouldn't uh, draft the guy by any stretch, but it was interesting to see. And also, uh, you know, in addition to the scheme, I know that Clemson's offensive line got a lot worse in 2020. So hopefully just, uh, you know, a blimp on the radar, however this expression goes, and uh, the best is still to come from. So I think the best thing about this, the running back rating here is the fact that you got two of my favorites. Jared Patterson's on there, but C.J. Maribel, Coastal Carolina, made the cut at number nine on this list. He is one of those guys. We, we talked, there's James Robinsons are far and few between. Uh, I kind of was joking. I was on another podcast, and Maribel was kind of my guy I was promoting. And I basically said, now, like you said, there's James Robinson may not ever happen again, or we may not see that rare. But C.J. Maribel has that ability that he may go undrafted or late in the sixth or seventh round, depending on how we're looking at this, where if he finds a nice way to get in there, he could carve a role on an offense and see kind of where it goes. He's got the abilities to do it, and obviously he's got that big play hitter ability as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, for him to catch, you know, 84 balls in his last three years, like we talk about, you know, like a theoretical three-down back. You, we need to be able to catch the ball. And, you know, hopefully – there are guys like uh, Jonathan Taylor, where I know that was a big question mark for him coming out. And he, he ended up dropping a ball, I think, early on in the playoffs. But at one point last year, he had caught like 35 of 36 targets. Clearly, he's a capable back, even if he's not, you know, as good as Naeem Hines. So, yeah, the fact that, you know, uh, Maribel does have that receiving, uh, I guess, more proven than some of these other backs is absolutely huge. Uh, looking at the guys, though, that have been – uh, drafted outside the top three rounds and gone on to be at least the top 24 performer as a rookie since 2010 people. Roy Hillu, Alfred Morris, Zach Stacy, Jordan Howard, Philip Lindsay, James Robinson. Every instance was either coached by a Shanahan or we had the incumbent running back basically leaving town. So, you know, for me, again, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, I'll say their those names another couple times uh, this podcast, or the 49ers with Kyle there. So uh, I think those would be the interesting situations where, hey, if, uh, you know, CJ goes to the Jets and all of a sudden it's August and we're saying, hey, it's him, Tevin Coleman, or, you know, uh, LaMichael Piron. That's a bet I'm more willing to make. Right now, probably not, but we'll see how uh, the landing spots unfold. And then quickly over to the wide receivers here. It shouldn't be no surprise that Devonta Smith and Diane Brown are right at the top. Uh, Brown is one of those big play threats every time he touches the ball. He doesn't have that blazing speed. He's only a 4-5 guy, but 
20 yards per reception will do that for you throughout the last two seasons of college. The one I love on here is North Texas represented Jalen Durden getting a little bit of love on this model. Yeah, man, Jalen Durden, I mean, pint size, 5'9", 174. So certainly going to, I think, be an issue for him at the next level to really see, uh, you know, any sort of consistent volume. But, hey, maybe he lands on the right squad. It's funny this year. I mean, I think Rapport came out with a tweet uh, last week kind of mentioning this. But, you know, you just look at all the good wide receivers. And, you know, there's a couple bigger ones, but they don't really have the route running chops. And the ones that are really polished and we're kind of expecting to go in the first few rounds, like they're all so small. All these guys are just, you know, inside slot jitterbugs. So, hey, maybe Darden lands on one of the right squads. I was going through uh, some teams that I think don't exactly have a cemented slot receiver. Uh, you know, some of these are run-first offenses, but like the Patriots, Ravens, Titans would be a great team for a lot of guys to land. Uh, Jaguars, maybe the Eagles, Packers is everyone dream. Man, you know, some of these – like Jalen Darden, okay. Best case scenario for him is that the Packers draft him and say, we just want to give you Randall Cobb's like prime role uh, from back in the day. So that'd be fantastic for me. I'll say the name that popped out. I'd love to get uh, the former Clemson Tigers take uh, on him too. Cornell Powell, because I saw him absolutely tearing up Denzel Ward and my Buckeyes. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? I thought uh, Amari Rogers was supposed to be the number one on the squad. I know he's a fifth year senior and that's like, you know, people will just cross him off off a list for that alone. But, you know, he looked the part, even if he only looked the part, for a short amount of time yeah i was actually just talking to someone else about this the other day um we have a history of there being guys it's not unusual for there to be a guy that's not in the top three on the team that makes it to the nfl and does perform well so i mean when you look at him and where you'd be able to draft him he's a really good value pick so i mean i would definitely be taking a chance on him yeah I love I love uh, Powell as well. There, he really stepped, especially the Senior Bowl. You see him as the season progressed. The last couple of games of the regular season really started to shoot that draft stock up. Speaking of the draft stock, there there's teams that have done very well in the draft in the last ten years, and some teams that have done very poorly. And you you don't often win your league based on your first round selections, but you can definitely put yourself behind the eight ball. If you blow that first round selection, <laughs> Jamarcus Russell Raiders, Robert gallery Raiders. I can go on and on about my Raiders and their first round guffs. So I'm pretty confident if we stretch this back to 15, 20 years, the Raiders would be near the bottom, but what are, who are some of the better teams when it comes to drafting in the first round? Yeah, so this project, I had the article go up a couple weeks ago. I was telling you guys uh, before the show, I went in, wanted to do the entire draft. See, you know, because I know the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, would probably pop as the team, you know, best at drafting uh, wide receivers. So I wanted to see, you know, who else could maybe do that at different positions. Quickly realized I was working, you know, sometimes you can get a nice clean CSV of 10 years of data. Sometimes you got to click through every single page and manually do it yourself. So one of those situations, I stuck to one round for now. We'll see about knocking the other six out uh, at some point this summer but yeah basically went through and uh pff has a wins above replacement metric you know more popular in uh basketball i think i, I don't know other sports but uh, I, I like seeing it in, uh, in the nfl and basically you know quarterbacks are going to be rewarded far more for it because you know they, they are more important to scores but hey if you're a great player you're going to have a positive uh wins above the uh, wins above replacement rate uh only other i guess thing i'd add in about the study was that uh didn't uh, i guess uh you know, Ryan Tannehill going from the Dolphins to the Titans, the Dolphins still get credit for that draft pick, even though obviously he had his better years of his career with the Titans. So with that said, top five first-round drafting teams of the past 10 years, number one, Houston Texans, two, Carolina Panthers, three, Buffalo Bills, four, Baltimore Ravens, 
five Colts. Now, obviously, when this got tweeted out, people said the Texans, like, fire Ian. Like, what could you possibly be thinking? Some of these picks, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, even if he's been a little bit robust, Will Fuller. I mean, Kareem Jackson, really, like, Titus Howard has been their only, like, clear-cut bust. You know, it's a shame they get, you know, Bill O'Brien's been trading away all their damn picks because it was one of the things they were actually doing all right over the years. So, unfortunate for the Texans that, uh, you know, they haven't been able to, I guess, make the most out of this but man it's just wild to think that in the year 2020 the houston texans held you know a three touchdown lead in arrowhead and a playoff game so unfortunate that uh that's the way things uh worked out for that you know part of the franchise do i want to know where the raiders rank on this <laughs> let me they are in the bottom five so uh chicago bears came in at 28 jaguars 29 seahawks 30 lions 31 and by bottom five i actually meant dead last your uh las vegas raiders so obviously <laughs> khalil mack i mean yeah it's almost an extra slap in the face because their two best picks khalil mack and amari cooper obviously are now having better uh you know better parts of their career elsewhere so there's still time you know damon arnett jonathan abram you you know, Colton Miller, Cleveland, Farrell, Henry Ruggs. A lot of the issue for them is that they've just had a ton of first-round picks in these recent years who haven't done much and they haven't had a chance to turn it around yet. So if we, if I do this again in 2025, like they might not be at the bottom anymore. But right now it's uh, certainly not looking good. It, it's, oh, man, like John Nabram, I was I was watching, uh, you know, some random uh, highlights. I think it was like most most savage plays of the 2020 season, like a, a good uh, YouTube video like that. And seeing Jonathan Aben fly around, it, I wish he was born, you know, 30 years earlier because that dude would have been an absolute monster uh, in a different age of football. Unfortunately, he's just going to keep getting uh, roasted by slot receivers of all shapes and sizes, probably the way things are going. So we have now reached the end of our contractually obligated football talk. And <laughs> you got in a good dig at the Raiders there, which is like bonus points to you for that. Uh, always reward bonus points for anybody knocking the Raiders. Uh, and now it's time to step into the Viper pit and for us to get to know you a little bit better. So the first thing I always like to ask is a little bit of, you know, personality can come out in this a bit. But let's just say you were a professional wrestler. Maybe it's a closer in baseball, but a professional wrestler. And it's time to introduce you to the crowd. The intro music hits. What's the right song to introduce you to a crowd? Oh, I got it. Uh, it's a sick song. The Second Coming, Jewel Santana from that old Nike commercial. Not because, mm. like, I think it necessarily represents me. I just think it's a badass song. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to go out there and take on John Cena or try to shut someone down in the bottom of the ninth, I, I, I want something coming out to hype me up. So, mm -hmm. yeah, give me the Second Coming. I want to point out that's like the first rap song. There's been a lot of like rock going on. <laughs> it had you're right. So, so salute to you, my guy. Hey, appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. So, so let's jump a little bit into sports. Um, tell us about the importance of sports to you growing up. What did you play? Um, what were your What were your favorite teams and your favorite players? Yeah, I mean, always football. I was I started uh, drawing plays when I was like four or five years old. Was devastated when I found out there were eleven players on each side. So all those ones with ten uh, didn't add up anymore. But yeah, just really played backyard football and baseball uh, from the time I could walk. Never really got into much else. And uh, you know, going through middle school, high school, continued to play both. Uh, once kids started throwing curveballs, I was like, all right, I don't know about this baseball thing uh, anymore. So I mean, that's one of the things that uh, I guess annoys me when uh, you know people go. Oh, like don't don't have your kids focus on like one sport. 
it depends on the kid. I, you know, they all look at Ohio State. Every single like one of their players played basketball. Yeah, when you're a freaking five-star wide receiver who can just show up when the season starts, like that's fine. But maybe you have a chance to improve your skill set somewhere where a couple months out of the year would help that. So that's a tangent uh, for another day. But yeah, and uh, you know, played football, lucky enough to play in the college, you know, division three, nothing special. But yeah, loved uh love cracking heads. I played a uh, linebacker and uh you know just really best best most exciting moments of my life were out there on the football field so happy i can still somewhat uh try to relive that on the keyboard not quite the same but uh it's better than a lot of other jobs i think uh favorite teams uh ohio state buckeyes you know being columbus ohio gotta support them cleveland indians uh, as well cleveland cavaliers and not the cleveland browns unfortunately i'm a dallas cowboy you know guy and look hey i was you know i could not talk remember anything when they won the super bowl so i've seen a total of i think it's two playoff wins since i've been a fan so i i'd be more happy if i would have picked the browns uh as a kid so one of those things where uh m m mom and dad were, were from texas uh coming here and when there's cowboy stuff all over the house you know tough to change your mind so basically yeah it's uh, been football for you know whole life and look forward to continuing it <laughs> so you mentioned you played linebacker there at university of Chicago, I believe it was, right? Yeah. Well, what was your number? What number did you sport when you were out there? Oh, man. They gave me 51, man. We didn't get to pick. I thought that was lame. I remember seeing my locker number was like 17. I was like, okay, I can get behind this. And I found out it wasn't my actual number. Uh, growing up, I was 56 because I, I wanted to be uh, like Lawrence Taylor out there and try to, you know, wreak uh, that sort of havoc. So didn't quite get there, but uh, that was a lot of fun. So 56, I played a little running back, uh, so I had to get an eligible number. I went to 20, but uh, I, I would say if I just associate one number with me, give me that, give me that five, six. Well, I'm glad you mentioned 51 because on this show, I don't do much fact checking, but I was able to pull up this. Hey, oh. that's the first ever Heisman. <laughs> Fun fact. That's the only uh, Jay Berwanger won that Heisman first one. But at that point, uh, Heisman is not written on that trophy. It's the downtown athletic club MVP. And we had that thing in the front of our uh, gym every single time uh, you walked into it. So, yep. So, hey, some for a show, you know, or intro, whatever. Notre Dame's never beat us. We got the first ever Heisman. Uh, you Chicago football, stand up. There you go. Uh, I love, I was like, look, like, man, you look so young in here. Like, you're a young guy to begin with, but like, like linebacker, I'm like, Okay, I'm like I can't quite make out the number. I'm like, well, it kind of looks like him. Well, you know what? Let's just post and see what happens. You know, I've been <laughs> hey. wrong before. We'll see how this rolls. Um, we're in the draft season right now, and your your career in the industry is kind of taking you four for four, Action Network, PFF, Roto Grinders, Fantasy Labs, SB Nation. You've kind of been everywhere. If you could get four or five guys together you're, that you've done this with and worked with for so long, and you guys got a chance to throw on the Spanx and get out to Indianapolis for the Combine and compete against each other one-on-one. -on -one. Who are the four guys you're bringing in? How are you going to – obviously, you've got that football background. You should be able to put up some good numbers here. I'm competing at the Combine with? Yeah, you, yeah we're oh, not going to compete against like real players, but <laughs> who are you, who you bring with you? Who are you going to compete with? Um, I got from my guy, John Daigle. Uh, I was, you know, we got the road to roll at the same time. I'm not calling them by their new weird name. Uh, and just, you know, uh, living out there. He's got, man, John Daigle, he goes on the beach, like on vacation and you'll, you'll wake up and go to breakfast and he'll just casually drop that. He ran like six miles that morning. But I think because he runs that much, I'll be more explosive. So I think I can take down Daigle. Um, 
man, it's a funky question. I never thought about this. I don't know if I want to invite people that I just don't like and I can like, you know, just try to, you know, just absolutely dominate them or just go have some fr uh, friendly fun in uh, Indianapolis. Ooh. I'll go with uh, I'll go with my three former running partners uh, at Action Network: uh, Chris Raymond, Matthew Friedman, Sean Corner. Love all those guys. A lot of good times. But uh, you know, when, when, when I went on their podcast, they said I was like uh, James Harden leaving and uh, you know going on somewhere else. So if they consider themselves uh, Steph, KD, and uh, you know Draymond, whoever the hell they were going with that <laughs> comp, let's uh, let's see what what let's see what's what, and let's uh, put some numbers on the table. So you're destroying all those guys, right? No doubt in my mind, yeah. There you go. Which event is? Go ahead. I was just say which is which would be your event. What's the what you what's Ian gonna like dominate? Out? What do you think you'd be the strongest at? I think I can I can jump. I could never <laughs> couldn't quite dunk because I feel like I couldn't get that you know just the the, the right spring into. It. I mean that's his whole thing. But uh, you know I, I could always comfortably get over a thirty uh, vert and you know I, I got some long legs. I think I could I think I could reach it out. That forty's tough, man. I feel like if you like, you know, just a lot of technique goes into that. If you're popping straight up in that start, I mean, you're going to be slow. I think that's, uh, you know, a lot of people that, you know, you, like you see the jokester every now and then. It was that, that like Eagles beat writer last year that was saying he could, uh, you know, gain a yard or make a three or some dumbness. But you see someone say that they could run, you know, a sub five, uh, 40. Maybe people can, but I think fast people like just don't realize like how much kind of technique goes into that 40. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, some of this new NFL tracking data just telling us how fast players are on the field and we can stop messing around with this 40 uh to begin with so yeah that's a great great idea um so for those of us living under a rock uh can you pretty much explain to us what uh great day to be great is all about hey, i don't know man just uh, it's always a great day to be great and uh I some you know football players always yell. It's a football thing, you know. It's it's another day, you know. Gotta gotta hone the craft. Great day, be great. Uh, you know, as uh, as Conor McGregor said once upon a time. I know he's had some rough days recently, but winners focus on winning, losers focus on winners. There's a you know, mm -hmm. and, and the come up in any industry, any job, any job, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of rough days. You know, it, we can't, you know, we want to be motivated every day, but you're not. You're not going to be motivated every single day. But if you keep that kind of long term goal uh, in ta in mind, great day to be great, and just push forward. Uh, I, I think you'll be plenty successful. Yeah, the strength coaches to say that all the time as well. It's a great day to be great, John. There we go, man. He gets it. Does the saying apply to fantasy football too? Always. I mean, look, 2020 wasn't a great year for my helicopter picks to be great, but there's always another one. So it's uh, it's one of those things. But yeah, you know, I, I piss off my uh, friends sometimes with the constant uh, motivational quotes and this or that, but they're fun. It, it's, it's good vibes. You know, we're at the end of the day, you know, I think you can break down, uh, you know, any, you know, just, uh, you know, it's more comfortable to cry in a Mercedes on a bicycle. Like everyone's going to have problems. Just try to keep a uh, positive vibe. And I think uh, you'll have a happier and more successful life doing so. I love it. So what's your, what's the greatest fantasy league that you're in? What's your favorite league? And you know, what's that, what's that real special league to you? Yeah, be my uh, eight man. <laughs> I know only eight man league. Chill out, people. I know it's soft, but uh, with my uh, with with my uh, University of Chicago uh, uh, best friends, we've been in it since my freshman year. So it's been a good almost ten years now, and we have only had one 
double champ. Uh, it's been like eight separate losers. So the parody is somehow like really good, you know, two quarterbacks, like four flexes. So no kickers, no defenses. We're just trying to, you know, actually play real fancy football, not some of this bogus uh, that is out there. But yeah, we had some uh, fun uh, punishments for a low of it. Nothing too crazy, but just embarrassing. And I lost the first year we did it. And this was back in 20, uh, would have been, 2010 or something so okay people i lost once upon a time you know give me a give me a break it's been a decade i can talk about it on a podcast now but uh you know i lose and our rule was that i was going i had to wear a jets tim tebow jersey to the same class for a semester straight and somehow nobody called me out on this thing the entire time like i i I, it got not even funny for me because i was like everyone just thinks i'm a weirdo wearing this jets tip like i don't know if they didn't know enough about football like to even question it or if they were just like yeah i don't even want to be near that kid i don't know what's going on with him so yeah i would say that uh that you chicago league it's you know i'll be uh maybe having a good maybe having a good weekend on DraftKings or you know winning uh seven out of eight leagues or this or that but that one home league uh isn't going your way that, that usually can make or break a weekend you wore a Tim Tebow jersey every day to the same class, and nobody gave you a hard time. I still have it, man. I gotta start rocking it on a stream, I guess. You know that 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 fifteen on the Jets. You uh, you don't see that. I mean, you remember he was running around in the rain with his shirt off. He didn't even wear the jersey. Were you allowed to wash that thing, or was it like you had to? <laughs> I did get to wash it. Luckily, oh, okay. that would have been would have been something. When I picked up the jersey, there was of course a uh, couple uh, Smirnoff ices in there, which was also very two thousand ten of the uh, situation. <laughs> That's a great story. I love that. And the, and the fact that like it was worse that nobody mentioned something like that know, is man. that's Brutal. hilarious. That's Still pisses me off. They're just polite in Chicago University. They're just polite people there in, in that school. Nerds, man. So <laughs> despite losing that in your first year, like you at some point said, "Hey, I've got something that I can offer to the fantasy community more than just being a player of fantasy football. I'm going to be a contributor." So take me through that journey where you realize like, hey, I've got something to offer here and then getting into it from there. Yeah, man, I used to read just every sports article I could, basketball, football. Uh, Grantland was my uh, favorite site like ever. You know, Bill Simmons growing up was, uh, you know, a real role model for me. I always listened to his podcast and just I, I thought he was the best writer out there. And so I, I just, you know, it wasn't just Bill, but I read a bunch of guys all the time. And I got to a point where, you know, I started reading articles and I just, I'd know a good amount about what they were writing about. And I'd realized they weren't even addressing arguments uh, that popped me up in my head. And I was like, well, either they do know the answer and they're not putting it in because it doesn't support their argument, which is not good practice. Or they didn't think of that question, which is also not good in the situation. So got to one of those things, man, like uh, Kanye said once upon a time, if you can do it better than me, uh, then you do it. So I just started reaching out once I was done playing football because I had all this spare time. And I was like, well, I can't drink all day. I got to get good grades and try to do something uh, for my life here. So I uh, just you know literally just emailed every single person i could find the fancy football regular football any type of football world and luckily uh jonathan bales who ended up being the founder of a uh, fancy labs action network now he's in all sorts of crypto randomness so i don't know how much football jonathan's watching these days but he took a chance on me i volunteered uh, to research articles for him basically for free that then he could write uh you know i i, I don't want to get into the whole working for free thing you know for me i was lucky enough to have the resources to be able to make that a sacrifice i know not everyone can with that but uh worked for me and then a, a year later john started paying me a little bit and basically just you know getting my degree 
uh, in finance, you know, I had student loans, didn't want to piss off my parents uh, too much by not trying to pursue a really good opportunity there, but just kind of did, uh, you know, the two kind of careers side by side uh, until I got the chance to go full time at uh, Fantasy Labs and, uh, you know, uh, with NFL. So to me, uh, you know, with fantasy, I was never someone that got my job because, you know, I shipped a Millie Maker or I just have, you know, this, you know, 10 time high stake FFPC champion. I don't have anything uh, like that behind me, but man, you know, find someone else that's been grinding uh, harder than me and for the last eight years. I'm not saying they aren't out there, but you know, I think they'll be pretty uh, smart about fantasy football and football uh, if they've been able to do that. So, you know, a lot, a lot, lot of grinding, a lot of hard years, but you know, at the end of the day, again, uh, it's, it's always a great day to be great. And I think, uh, it's uh, one of those things where, you know, having had a real job, at least for some semblance of time, it uh, helps you push through the bad times when, uh, you know, things can be worse. The thing I noticed the most, you, you do a lot of shows, pretty much almost a show a day. It almost seems like everywhere I'm looking on Twitter, there's a new stream with your face smiling and just full of energy on each and every show. Like that, that's, we talk about the grind and how it has its ups and downs and this and that. It doesn't seem to ever really get to you. It seems now maybe it does, but we just don't see it. But <laughs> you always seem to have this positive spin on every single thing. You're always smiling on every show and it's a treat to watch because it actually energizes those around you. The energy that you bring. Yeah, it's football. People get some in, in, in the weeds with it, man. Look, Twitter can be an awful place. I mean, I would say, you know, use that mute button. I mean, hey, I'm not going to block anyone. If, and, but if people are bothering you, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm not saying you can't ever do it. But for me, muting people helped a lot because there is negative energy out there. And people will just – I remember uh, – we talked earlier about the Kings Classic. You know, it was week 15 or so. I think I said, uh, you know, start Jalen Hurts over Josh Allen. Just getting a lot of bad messages here and there. And it's like, yeah, that wasn't very smart of you. And why would I do that? This and that. Then uh, I, I get a tweet out from our Kings Classic page. And it was like, hey, I, I heart it's won our championship. You know, congrats to him. And like someone replies to it. And they're like, yeah, Ian's a great guy. I just don't trust what he has to say about fantasy. And I was like, wait a second. This is a tweet. I can't even get like props on a tweet about winning the championship. Like when am I, when am I going to get any sort of props? then? so <laughs> one of those things where, you know, yeah, it's annoying having to deal with uh, some of the, uh, you know, haters out there, but it's just part of it. And, you know, I think people that take the time to be uh, so negative out there have worse things going on in their lives. So, you know, I've, uh, you know, certainly found a, uh, I guess helping, you know, working out. I got, I got my wiener dog PFF Lily to help put a smile on my face and uh, all that. But yeah, I guess, uh, you know, just more of a mindset trying to stay positive because yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons every single day to get negative. I get it. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blissfully ignorant on a lot of things going on in the world, but uh, you know, I, I enjoy being my little football hole and I'm going to keep uh, working hard to try and not have to uh, go out in that big bad world again anytime soon. I think that's great advice. I live in my own little bubble half the time. I don't even know what's going on around the way to go. Around me. It's nice. Well, I got like 120 kids here legitimately. <laughs> so I don't even know what's going on elsewhere. I keep take care of your own first and then, then maybe venture out there every once in a while. Um, Calvin kind of talked about when you decided to make this a big hobby. We talked about the journey a little bit, but we've seen this, this whole industry uh, change, especially the last 10 years or so, probably right around from when you first started to where we are now. Can you talk about some of those changes, some of those adjustments that you've had to make and in, in, in order to stay on top of your game? Yes, is, you know, to me, I do my entire content like picturing if someone only wanted to 
follow me, read my articles, listen to my podcast, and only listen to me, could they be, you know, one of the most highly informed football fans and hopefully have some fun while they're out there. So that's kind of my thing. And it's always just been evolving uh, with it. You know, to me, film, film's always been a part that you want to put in the game. It helps, it helps show your argument. You know, if you're saying some guy is the best contested catch receiver in the league, put together a couple clips and do that. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know some technology for that. You know, I, I was talking before, I don't feel like my uh, R and, you know, advanced coding knowledge is as good as it can be. There's, you know, it's football. There's, Every single football coach in the NFL has more knowledge about the game, like in their, you know, small finger than any of us probably will in our entire lives. You know, we like to bark about, you know, when people mess up uh, play calling situations. But to me, it's just a game where there's, there's always something new to learn. There's always some way to get better. So, you know, I I feel like I've been performing at a really high level for, uh, you know, almost the past five years. And I feel like everyone's catching up, but maybe I'm just, you know, being stuck in my own little world a little bit too much there. It's, it's, it's just that grind. And, you know, as someone that used to do a whole lot of uh, news, you know, you see uh, the Roto World account always popping that out. I mean, that's something that I just think a lot of people don't realize how hard uh, being that kind of in that position can be, you know, just having tweet deck on for, you know, six, eight hour shifts and just watching it every single time, going to the bathroom, taking your laptop in there with you, you know, eight o'clock hanging out with friends. <laughs> eight o'clock hanging out with friends news breaks you know you got to run up to your computer and sit there and type while all your friends are having a good time so you know making sacrifices and just continuing to get after it every single day you know even if i'm not writing an article every single day it's uh you know three four times a week at a minimum you keep doing these types of things for uh you know five plus years and uh i think it works out pretty well so i, I don't have you know a secret recipe or anything like that i think like anything keep uh keep the grind up and uh eventually you know good things will happen yeah. So, uh, what's some of your more memorable uh, podcasts or interviews? I got to have uh, a key to on this past what? year, and uh, yeah, it was great. Someone just randomly DM me, and he he's he did great stuff. I and mean, I don't know if you guys got to hear him on uh, like CBS a couple of times. Yeah, he was great, and people were trying to hate, like, okay, he's not the most polished speaker or whatever whatever you want to complain about like i had a hell of a lot better time listening to akib to leave talk about whatever he wants to compared to half of these people the fact that we've had the same you know bland uh you know just play calling with a color guy for the last you know 50 years of broadcasting is absolutely ridiculous it seems like these days you know i saw um, mina kimes i think got to go do yeah. some preseason stuff like this yeah like we can have people that aren't like 70 and just trying to be like you know as proper as possible the whole game talking about freaking football so it's one of those things that, uh, you know, uh, frustrates me a little bit. I don't remember what the question was. I'm, I'm getting kind of worked up about that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's about the uh, like your more memorable. Uh, yeah, that's right. Keep to leave. Yeah. yeah so uh, yeah. I, I got to I got to hit him up. He was like going to the gym, but he just stopped and he was like, all right, got a uh, 30 minutes. Like, let's go. And I remember he just, you know, I, I felt like at first he was probably a little worried. Oh, I'm on the fantasy, this fantasy podcast. Who the hell am I talking to here? But, you know, I think I asked him like, Kind of, I got my big question was like, why don't uh, teams like move their number one cornerbacks into the slot more when you just have number one wide receivers teeing off on these uh, underqualified dudes, or if you know the Steelers, like a linebacker half the time? So I think once uh, he kind of got into just talking ball, because you know if he deletes on my podcast, I'm not going to ask him, you know, who is you know top twelve PPR wide receivers are of the week. I just want to talk <laughs> about some stuff uh, from his career. So that was a lot of fun. I, I really thought we had a good uh, conversation with this. So I've you know not been too nervous for a lot of them, uh, luckily, but for that one, man, I was. I, I was shaking before. That's for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. I agree with you when it comes. I, I agree with you when it comes to like the color commentators, like 
to me, Snoop Dogg is the best one ever. He's been oh, my God. Him. You know what I mean? So I think the NFL is probably going to adopt that soon, you know. But, yeah, you're right. He was even crushing it on the uh, Jake Paul Askren fight, getting yeah, crazy to uh, that, that funk song. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. He had a much better debut on that than Eminem did. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Akeem Talib was, was amazing. Like, he was very different. Like, and it's really cool to see guys that, like, have something like that where they're obviously one of the best in the world as a cornerback. And then, you know, you see him transition, and he's got a different kind of voice, you know, it's than you're used to hearing. And I – I love that. I hope we get to see like some of these, like Richard Sherman and some of these other guys who are like so smart and like, you know, like I, I I'd love to hear them like just bring something different to the game that we've been seeing. Um, but I want to ask you a little bit about maybe something different for you, right? Because like obviously fantasy football is there and you're continuing to do that. But let's just say there's a world where you weren't bit by this fantasy football bug. What would your what would you be doing? Like what would your what, like, well, how would you be spending your days? Like, what, what would your job be? Like, what would you be doing if there was no fantasy football? All right, so I got, you know, I haven't told people this live yet, but I am doing this. I'm starting my candle company, people. I'm taking mm. down Bed Bath Beyond. You know, Bath and Body Breaking Works better news. be Bath and Body Works go. better be scared because I am coming for them. Still need to figure out some logistics. Probably coming uh, 2022, but I have spent the last uh, four months really learning the intricacies of the candle game. You know how to. You know, I got my wax melter. I'm uh, trying to look at some local candle jar spots. I'm, I'm you know, figuring out the fragrance game uh, here and there with my lovely girlfriend. She's been a huge assistant uh, with that as well. But yeah, I want to take over this uh, candle game. It's a uh, you know, similar thing to uh, when I started writing. I looked at candles. I said, you know what? I think I can maybe make something 90% as good as these people. And uh, we'll see if some people might want to buy it. So, you know, if they, uh, maybe I haven't perfected, you know, the AJ Brown wide receiver one cent, but I'm working on it. We got some uh, possibilities rolling and I'm excited to compete in a new game, uh, the candle one. So stay tuned on that. Yeah, the number one thing with candles are like the names. You have to have catchy scent names. Like, is it all football related uh, scents? Is that what you're going with? Think so. Maybe we'll see. It, are you gonna have one that says like Drew Lock and underneath it is gonna say it doesn't smell that bad? <laughs> Maybe, man. I think that's the key. Like, don't just name, don't name your candle like cranberry. You can get a cranberry candle anywhere. Name the cranberry candle something else. So we'll see. I can't. The only thing I can picture now is like Ian just totally relaxed with a bunch of these candles lit up, like Madonna living on a prayer type of things. Candles all over his bed. Yeah, there we go. Just lighting up and enjoying the uh, fragrance. There's that. There's on. that one tweet from like ten years ago that went viral where the person's like, "Help! Like I can't figure out my budget. You know, like six hundred dollars for rent, five hundred dollars for food, thirty five hundred dollars on candles, and then like." So that's that, that's me, you know. You, you go. I don't know how people yeah. can go to the store and not buy uh, some candles. Uh, fun fact: uh, Miles Jack is a candle guy. He has his own candle business. I heard uh, in the locker room, uh, you know, down there in Jacksonville, he's always handing them out. So he's got that, uh, you know, fifty million. I think that contract extension was fifty million. So, so I think Miles Jack has a little more, uh, you know, a little, little more investment behind him at this point. But I'm coming for him too. So <laughs> nice. He's like bringing candles, like aggression. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Man. I'm first See, in now, line because that's a science right there. All right, people there realize go. that's a candle making is a science, and then the branding around it too, the design of the candle. Yeah, that's I'm what I'm excited. saying. Like, awesome. I, I, I had goals, like you know, I was saying, oh, you know, maybe four six months, and you know, uh, I, I don't. 
I, I was going, I ended up going on some YouTube channels. I started because I was like, all right, I'm going to need to learn some legal stuff because you know it's on the bottom of them. They're like, by the way, you know, if we burn your house down, you can't sue us for that. <laughs> so I, I learned a couple more things about that. I was like, you know what? Let's uh, take things, just step back a little bit, not trying to get sued uh, immediately if I can help it. <laughs> See, now this is usually the part of the show where I come up with a great idea where I think you'd be a fantastic fit in another job. I, I don't even know where to go with this now because – this would have been something I should have been able to research and find out the candle make and Ian, the candlestick maker or something like that. And kind of going with that, but maybe, maybe another thing that if you weren't doing making candles or doing fantasy football, maybe you could be helping ESPN with their promotions, maybe get a little Snoop Dogg, Monday night football, uh, booger mobile kind of thing all together. I love man. I want to be a, uh, you know, play caller. I look, I keep to leave like color Romo, like color. I feel like that, that seat's reserved for someone that's played the game. They can offer things that, you know, just, we, we can't, but you know, I, I look at some of the play by play guys, some of those old heads that just don't bring any enthusiasm to the table. I don't know, man. I feel like we're getting closer and closer to a world where we accept fancy and gambling as, you know, regular components of football that people are interested in right now. You know, you go to these broadcasts and, you know, like for our PFF draft show, like, you know, I'm on it, but I'm in front of a green screen. They're going to cut it to me for, you know, a minute when we want to talk fancy and we'll, we'll go back. You know, I think I would like to think that one day we'll live in a world where you can sit there and Hey, you know, if it's a 21 point game in the fourth quarter and the over unders in question, we'll start talking about that. If, you know, a backup running back scores, we can make a fancy joke. Like just because fancy and gambling fans sometimes aren't the same as, you know, your quote unquote, just real football only fans. I think uh, there's a happy marriage to that. No one has quite uh, figured out yet. So yeah, man, broadcasting sounds fun. Al, Al Michaels kind of low key does that, doesn't he? Doesn't he, it seem like Al yeah. Michaels has got, oh, I got the over on tonight's game. That should have been a catcher. You know, he kind of, it's almost like he's gambling. You know, he's gambling. You know, he's got some money on the game, it seems. I don't he think it's on him. I don't, I don't even think the network like really lets him go as in as he would probably want to. So, with that in mind, he does such a good job, uh, low key with it. It, it was funny. And when I, uh, you know, started working at PFF, Got to go, uh, you know, check out the offices and all that. And Chris Collinsworth was there uh, one of the first days and going, I get to meet him. I'm like, holy shit, Chris Collinsworth. And says hi for a second, you know, says something about, you know, we had the fist bump instead of shaking hands because of the mask. And phone starts ringing. He's uh, one second. He's like, oh, this is Al Michaels. I'm going to take this and just talked about golf for like the next 10 minutes. And I was like, yeah, I, yes, Al That's Michaels crazy. is 100%. Like, please, Chris, wow. talk to Al. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Chris Collinsworth, we kind of bug him a little bit, being kind of that skinny, dorky looking guy. So he's not a small guy either. Bro, like, he's like 6'5. Get... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's insane when you think about these. And that's just that difference between the pro player and then the average Joe. You know what I mean? We, we yeah. don't really envision Chris Collinsworth as a pro player, even though we've seen him play. But when you yeah. look at him, he up close and in person, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I see it. Yeah, he's pulled up his pro football reference, man. I mean, he was on – he had 1,000 yards in four of his first six years. The yeah. one year he had 709 games, and another year he was only 11 yards away and played uh, 15 games. So, Chris Collins – I mean, we were talking about uh, – who set that record? Uh, I think it was Mike Evans. It might have been six years to start the career was like the longest streak in NFL history. So, uh, before Mike Evans, there was almost a Chris Collins with. That would have been quite the uh, record. Um, <laughs> Wow. So, I mean, all these different experiences you've had, all these different people you've met throughout um, the your career, you know, tell us what has, what have you learned through fantasy football? Uh, again, it's just, it's just that working hard. And I, I like fantasy football because, uh, you know, it's a place where your results can uh, really be seen. And I don't mean necessarily uh, that 
you know, you, you can be, you can have 50, when you have 50 followers, you can write a great article and not, might not necessarily uh, be seen. I get that, but just writing in general, you know, you're producing something and, you know, it's not a situation I think where we commonly see, uh, you know, lesser qualified people rise up. I think it's, uh, you know, clear through day after day, you know, you can kind of separate yourself from the pack, or at least you have the opportunity uh, to consistently do so. So that's, you know, uh, that's kind of my with it's, it's not quite, you know, a full on meritocracy, like, you know, a full, like an athletic event might be, but I have found, you know, at least compared to the finance uh, world, I feel like I'm in much more uh, in control of, of my destiny. And that's all I want. You know, I just want a chance. And hey, if someone out there is uh better than me and they can do the content in a better form than I can, then that's great. But let's, uh, let's compete and let's, uh, let, let's see who comes in. Let's see who comes in first. <laughs> yeah. You kind of spoke about uh, a couple of people that helped you along the way already. Um, but we all know that this business is more so like relationship, like who, you know, can you talk about a couple of people that helped you along the way in your career? Yeah. Like I said, Jonathan Bales, you know, him giving me my first shot. Uh, absolutely huge. You know, didn't, didn't need to answer the DM and he did and uh, let me really get into the business and just uh, work hard for him. And also uh, Evan Silva, uh, just really um, crucial. I mean, I must have had, you know, I've been in Twitter streets for a while, but I think when Evan reached out to me, I probably only had like a thousand, two thousand followers. And he just called me and, and uh, told me that, you know, keep it up and work hard. And he said, you know, he knows me, I'm doing really great stuff and to keep it up. And he's been just very helpful and supportive uh, all throughout my career. So I can't believe that, man. Cause to me, like Evan uh, has been the goat of our industry for, for several, uh, you know, years, if not a decade uh, or whatever. So Evan, you know, for him to be that good and I know he's competitive and I know he wants to be in first and for him to still take that time to help me. And it's not just me. I, I know he's helped so many people uh, in our great industry. So Evan, Evan Silva, you know, for him to be number one and so selfless and helpful along the way uh you know it, it hurts to want to try to beat that guy and want to still uh, get over top him but you know it's got to be done i think evan would i uh, think it's a disservice if uh you know we all weren't going from him as well so yeah jonathan bales evan silva love those dudes you seem like a very competitive person do you remember how many emails you sent out at the very beginning <laughs> when you were like inquiring about jobs i don't I, people got back to you wouldn't that be great like the you know the, like checking people off the list yeah like, like the, yeah. The, the, the the 45th overall pick that remembers <laughs> exactly. every guy that went exactly. no not quite I, it, was, it must have been like 50 people i mean it was it was no joke i remember jonathan's his thing was just like he was like i'm looking for uh you know professional fancy writers to, to help with this and i emailed him i was like yo i'm not any of that but i hope you with this and he he ended up uh, biting on it so no not the uh exact uh number of emails i do remember uh one of my girl i think yeah my girlfriend like when i was 19 said she wasn't sure if i was gonna be successful and like that i, I still remember that now so <laughs> yeah who, who who's on a podcast talking football at 10 p.m on a tuesday now oh my god there's this uh it was that it was the stefan diggs uh miracle game one of the hardest i've ever laughed there's this dude in the bleachers uh where he's like my, he's like my wife sharon left me for a banker well who's laughing now and he was just there at the football game. <laughs> hey, that's so classy. <laughs> oh man <laughs> so yeah so we're here 10 p.m on a tuesday it's off season so what do you have in store for the off season 
just uh you know it's it's funny with this draft season you know i mean I, i've loved coming on a, a bunch of different podcasts and talking to these guys but you, know, you guys heard me I, i'm still looking to land a spot i'm not a you know true diehard debbie with you know just every single guy scouted as soon as february comes around i want these guys to get on rosters i want to see them in preseason before coming away too much so i got some more articles coming up i'm going to release my first and only mock draft next week going to try to be hip uh you know with some of those uh peeps doing nice. that but starting may 5th i'm going to do have 100 articles in a 100 day series uh three previews really per team quarterback run game and pass game really excited about that so one per day and i'm going to try and make them in some mini podcast episodes as well so i got the pff fantasy football podcast still going to be doing you know more of a newsy episode and then a 10 questions uh interview style but really want to get some more uh you know it's like five to eight minute short clips on uh some of these other people so to me may again we get those rosters set like that's when it's time to go and i feel like you know in fantasy football it's so hard to create evergreen content you know something's going to be you know during the season though you write these massive preview articles and by next monday they're completely useless so i want to try to get the most out of these uh summer months as i can 100 articles in 100 days great day to be great 100 times in a row it's <laughs> competitive man i can see it every time he speaks i feel the passion I can't do anything a hundred times in a hundred days. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's tough, man. But hey, let's uh, let's get it. Why not? Someone's got to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Great, that'd be great. There we go. go. There um, we go. So you spoke a little bit about like how you started. You went. You was a go getter. Went out, sent a thousand emails out there. Um, you also talk about writing a ton. Uh, but can you give a little bit of more advice to? those of us trying to make it in this industry, um, some, uh, some wisdom. Yeah, I would, you know, really try to find that thing you're best at and try to put most of your eggs in that. You know, I, sometimes we use that trade or that phrase, you know, Jack, Jack of all trades, master of none. Hey, sometimes that's really helpful, but I think, uh, you know, in the fantasy football industry, if you want a full-time job and that's your goal, it's probably going to come down to being great enough at content or podcasting. Or maybe you are the jack of all trades that can also be, you know, great at all trades. I would just say, you know, if, if you can be average at baseball, basketball, and football, I think you'd be better off being great at one of those. Because if you're going to try to learn these three, you know, okay, there's a few people that can do it. And if you're, you know, one of those gamblers that, again, has your pick percentages and you can prove how uh, good you are, that's fine. But for me, again, as someone that, you know, I don't have a – you know, uh, Eric Eager at freaking uh, PFF, he's a freaking PhD, he's a doctor. Like no one's doubting uh, that, that this dude has some smart stuff to say. So for me, you know, I try to hang my hat and I get my confidence from knowing uh, the amount of hard work I put in every day uh, with this sport. And, you know, if I'm not doing that, someone else is going to be doing that. And then it's going to be tougher uh, for me to compete with that. So, you know, the other sports, uh, as someone that hasn't exactly loved other sports uh, from my childhood, I guess it's easier for me uh, to say that. But I really think, you know, if you want to rise up in football land, I mean, particularly nowadays i mean look we've just gotten done with the three driest months of the year and there's still you know off-season drafters there's more than enough throughout the year to uh try to separate yourself so i go with that and hey i'll tell you what you know i had some really good success uh you know diving into xfo aaf you know getting guys like matthew barry to say they, they read my stuff and you know appreciated it and getting new opportunities you know on radio stations because it's a brand new league and for me i saw those and i said oh wow this is a situation where you know 
someone's not going to have their preview article be read because they've been writing that for 20 years and they have their fans. It's a, it's a wild, wild west. You know, best should feasibly uh, rise to the crop. So, you know, focus on football and don't be afraid to be a little different when uh, these new opportunities uh, come to fruition. Man, great well, advice. It really Sorry, is. And I like really inspiring. Like, obviously, like it's really cool to listen to you talk about some of those motivational things and great day to be great. And I know, like, obviously, that all that means a lot to you. And certainly appreciate you sharing all those things. And, you know, hopefully, anybody that's watching this or listening to this uh, after the fact has had a chance to get to know you a little bit better. And, you know, the 100 articles, but. Are there any other ways that, um, whether it's the off season or whatever, that that we could support you? That that people listening to this can just support the work that you're doing. Uh, you know, just, just catch me on Twitter at, at iHeart. It's I like to I like to keep it loose, have a fun time, and uh, yeah, and, and and then once uh, you know, once the candle business comes along, buy one. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I literally used that jack of all trades, master of none, two hours ago on Twitter. So I'm just going to throw that out there right now. <laughs> hey, just, hey, if you're a jack of all trades in the football game, man, that's absolutely fine. You know, a company always like, oh, my God, PFF uh, Austin Gale, like that dude wears 10 different hats in the company. Everyone loves him. I just think don't stretch yourself so thin that you can't, like, actually do as well as you want on whatever it is that you want to do. That's all I mean. Well, speaking of someone who's a jack of all trades but a master of all, Cardell Patterson – yeah we've got the president of the fan club joining us this evening here we are now 10 p.m 10 06 eastern ian i know you gotta get going here uh, it's getting late on the east coast uh i just want to let you know we appreciate you coming on here i hope to do this again and uh i can't wait to get some of those scented candles i probably won't ever light one but i'll definitely get some here i think i speak for calvin too because he loves that he likes to get in a little bubble bath and turn those candles on so <laughs> we'll take hey, it it's all about all about creating positive vibes. That's all it's about. Yeah, candles Absolutely. create that vibe. You gotta you gotta burn some candles, man. You're relaxed a little bit. Yeah. Well, well, well. You know those Bayou boys there. They like a little bit of smooth jazz to go around with their bubble baths. So <laughs> for uh, for Ian Hart, it's Calvin, Tara, Major. I'm Matt Dolly, and this is the uh, Viper Cast, and we're gone. Once I find the end.